Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you're finding our series through 1 Corinthians, maybe a bit tedious, you can, you know, sort of silently let out a little, you know, celebration. We're about four or five weeks to the end. If you're loving it and can't get enough of 1 Corinthians, then you can let out a little silent sigh of sadness because we're just a few weeks away from concluding this series, uh, about uh, three or four more chapters left in, in this book, 1 Corinthians. Uh, written by the Apostle Paul, God's inspired and uh, inerrant word to that early church in the Greek city of Corinth, where the community and uh, as well the church had many struggles and difficulties. But the Apostle Paul in this section that we've been looking at is, in fact, overall commending them for how they're doing in, in general. And then giving them some specific things to continue to work on. We saw a few weeks ago the role of men and women was an area they were struggling over. We saw as well last week the practice of communion and the Lord's Supper and how they were treating that sacrament was uh, something that they needed help with. And then we'll see this week and really in the next uh, two, two sermons the, the spiritual gifts that God gives us, these uh, abilities that he gives to us to bless and to serve and connect in the church body. So we're going to continue uh, to look at that over the next few weeks. And I hope, again, that you all are encouraged by a little bit of the, you know, the method to our madness of working through, as we often do, piece by piece through a book of the Bible. And encouraged in this way, again, that that uh, we can be thankful that we, we've dove fairly deep into a book of the Bible. And as we're even just on chapter 12 and come into the next uh, three or four weeks and conclude this series, we can be encouraged that uh, if we've been here week in and week out or most weeks, that that we know what this part of God's word says. We may not understand every bit of the intricacies of it, but we're familiar with it. We understand God's teaching. We don't just have a sort of smattering of verses here and there that are disconnected, but we really get uh, what God is saying in this part of his word. So that's what we're trying to do. And we continue uh, with that today and in some passages that are probably a little bit easier for us to uh, understand just straight out of the gate than some of what we've been looking at in the last couple of weeks. So I think you'll you'll welcome these uh, verses. I'm going to read to us uh, now. Chapter 12 of First Corinthians, it says this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when we were pagans, you were led astray. When you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. To one is given the spirit of utterance of wisdom to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the works of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? The whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I've got no need of you. Nor again the, uh, the hand, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues. All are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing. Do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would teach us in this time together. Show us what it is to be a unified body in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. James, I'm hearing something up here. Is that coming from me or is that... Or is that just imagining? All right. We all right? Maybe I'm hearing things. Who knows? I need a new ear. I need a new head. I need a new hand or something. In my early ministry years, I had the privilege of serving as a college director at several campuses in uh, St. Louis. And the group uh, drew a number of students uh, internationally from international places. And at one time, we actually had two students from the same particular country that were uh, part of, of that ministry. And as I got to know them, at first I thought that just their personalities were kind of happened to be different. You know, one a bit more outgoing, the other a bit more shy, one uh, less confident in social settings, the other uh, more uh, confident in those areas. Uh, but as I got to know uh, one of the particular gentlemen, I realized that it wasn't uh, really so much a cultural thing. It was that he had had a terribly abusive past. His uh, parents will put it this way, although they were not Christians, they certainly did not need to be reminded of the biblical passage, spare the rod and spoil the child. And so getting to know this uh, young man and seeing his struggles I came to to get why he wrestled to really have meaningful relationships, why he would go into these pits of despair and depression at certain times. 
And it's fascinating when I talked to him most recently to see how he's doing today. Uh, He's not in the United States anymore. He's working for an international technology company, the name of which you would all recognize if I said it. He's doing well today, but he was struggling in the years that I knew him. And so it was fascinating to see what happened to him to work that transformation. He was uh, highly trained academically, uh, very skilled in his particular mathematics and engineering uh, route that he was going through through school and was at a graduate level when he was in our ministry. So headed on to very significant things and amazing the things that he understood and the ability and the intellect that he had. It was fascinating to see what worked transformation in his life then as he began through the group that we had to begin going and doing remedial tutoring for little children in some of St. Louis's most struggling schools and neighborhoods. Kids who could barely read, uh, read a book, kids who could barely do basic math. And in a sense, this young man from our ministry going and helping with that was like using a bazooka to blow up an anthill uh, with his intellect and his ability. But he went there. And he began to serve, and it was fascinating. In a period of just a couple of weeks, the transformation, the the way he began to interact, he started to smile when he would walk into a a room and started to be able to sort of carry on a conversation as well. And he he wasn't struggling as much as with these depressive uh, periods, and, and he still, I'm sure, is wrestling with those some today, but he began to see some relief from that. And when we would get together and have coffee, it wouldn't just be time for him to share all of his struggles, but he would occasionally ask others how they were doing, see what was going on in their lives. But what worked the change? Was it, uh, you know, more theology and biblical teaching? Well, you know, we we did that. We were pouring that into him, but I wouldn't say that was the key. Uh, Was it a a swift kick in the pants? You know, you got to get yourself together, buddy, and get going. This is life. Let's let's get it together. Well, we, we weren't afraid to challenge him in a few places graciously, but, but that wasn't really it either. Was it kind of discovering deeper his identity in Christ and the love of Christ and the power of grace and mercy? I'm sure that probably propelled it, but I don't think that was the linchpin pin either. What changed this young man was rolling up his sleeves and beginning to use some gifts, some talents, some abilities that he had to serve and to bless others brought about a powerful transformation in his life. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, as a friend, it was fun to watch. Maybe you've seen the same in your own life or the life of friends around you as folks discover God's purpose, God's gifting, God's talents, God's abilities to bless other people and to serve other folks and really come alive to that and are strengthened by it rather than taking something out of them as we typically think of serving doing it actually brings something in and infuses something if you want to follow along in your sermon notes uh, section back at the end of your worship guide i i think this is the main uh, theme that the lord would have us to take from these verses that that really since we're one body through one spirit we should utilize our varied gifts for the common good. That's, that's God's purpose. You know, in this passage, I'm sure you saw it. 
it uses the word spirit or one spirit uh, almost constantly. It's almost in every sentence that it talks about it, the beauty of being connected through the spirit of God. Now, we uh, we might be here today and we could probably be in at least three different situations. I, I don't know. Uh, you might be here today and this is really the first you've ever heard or thought in detail about the idea of spiritual gifts might be a new concept to you. And, and so certainly we have much that we'd like to, to share today about how we have those spiritual gifts and how to use them. Uh, others might be here and we're aware of the idea of spiritual gifts, maybe even know that we have particular gifts, but we struggle. We struggle because we don't feel like our gifts are very important. They're maybe not the upfront uh, spiritual gifts. They're not the upfront abilities. And so it's easy for us to kind of check out of them because we don't know that they're all that significant. Maybe other folks have even kind of made us feel that way, even in the church. We might be here today and a little bit along those lines. Or we may be here today, as the passage identifies, and we have particular gifts, and it's not just maybe that they're up front, but that we're aware of them, and we're kind of aware of how we're having impact for them. And as much as we maybe try not to, we take a little bit of pride about that. And maybe sort of look down our noses or look a little bit critically at others who aren't uh, seeming to use their gifts, even though so many of these are behind the scenes and we wouldn't necessarily know either way. These verses speak to all of that. As you take a look with me at our passage today, look at verses four, five and six. It talks about the the unity in diversity. We've seen this theme all the way through first Corinthians, haven't we? Of the uh, impetus, the beauty, the calling to really connect with one another and love one another deeply as a community, a body of Christ, as this passage speaks about it. it says there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit talks about there the spirit there are varieties of service so that's just a different sort of word gifts service but the same lord and there are varieties of activities another way of saying gifts service activities but in the same god who empowers everyone god lord spirit talking about the connection in all of these things to the lord that this comes from the lord it's a blessing from him and they come nevertheless in a variety of ways So there's a unified source for who we are as believers, but it manifests itself in a diversity of ways. And we ought to celebrate that. We ought to be excited about that rather than having that be a a source of pride for some or a source of discouragement to others. Take a look with me, if you don't mind, back to Romans chapter 12. Romans is just a, a few pages earlier in your Bible there. Romans chapter 12. I want to show you how these same themes are consistent each place that the Apostle Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. Just take a moment with me to look at this short passage in Romans and then we'll look at one in Ephesians. And I'll, I just want you to see how all of this is connected. Starting in verse 3 of Romans uh, 12, again, all of Romans has been telling us about this amazing grace that God has and all that he's done to save sinners like me and like you through Christ and the beautiful blessing of that. And then it goes on and tells us in chapter 12, starting in verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. 
But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in the body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, if one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so he's just saying we're unified, connected together in this diversity of gifts, and we ought to therefore put those things in practice for the strengthening of the body and for the kingdom of God in this world. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. That's, that's after uh, 1 Corinthians, before you get to Hebrews and so forth. Ephesians. All right, Ephesians. Chapter 4, it says this. Let's start in verse in verse one it says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain what the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's the spirit. There's unity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. Can't talk about unity too many more different ways than all those ones mentioned in there. And then listen to this. Pay, pay attention. I'm, I'm not trying to lose you here. Stay, stay with me. Verse seven. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is that? How did that gift come about? Listen to these next verses to me. They're just an amazing thing to think about in the spiritual gifts uh, uh, concept. Verse eight. Therefore, it says when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And then we'll look at verse 11 in a minute. What is this picture that's being presented here? Here's the interesting thing. Old Testament times. Uh, ancient times, a king would go out for his community and conquer the, the enemy. And he would come back into the community, the, the city, uh, picture the castle, you know, back into the place. And people would celebrate. People would rejoice. They'd be out in the streets. You have conquered our enemies, king. You've kept us safe. You've, you've even defeated and so forth. And we want to give to you gifts. We want to present to you things because of the great things you have done for us. That would be the pattern. But look what the Apostle Paul does here in this verse. He says, when he ascended on high, talking about Jesus, when he ascended on high, his resurrection, his victory of the cross, he gave gifts to men. Jesus doesn't conquer all of our enemies for us and then, you know, expect us to kind of somehow repay him for that. He's done it all. He, he, in fact, goes beyond that. He, he doesn't not only relieves us of having to repay him in that way, he continues to give more instead of a king that expects to get gifts for the great things he's done for us. He continues giving them. What a beautiful picture. And what are some of those gifts It lists again, these spiritual gifts? Uh, verse 11. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. That's what I'm doing right now. Trying to take God's word, 
to equip you all to use your gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. All of this, a gift package from the Lord for us. So we have unity and diversity in all these gifts. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn back there with me if you would. We don't have time today to even begin to scratch the surface to define each of these gifts. We may talk a bit about them in the next couple of weeks, a little bit more. But you see a list of all kinds of things between the Romans passage, between Ephesians, between this passage, wisdom, gift of knowledge, gift of faith, healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, discernment, giving, administration, evangelism, teaching, all different sorts of manifestations of God's gifting. And as Romans 12 says, we ought to be seeking to find out what those are and then to put them into place, put them into place, whether we're an ear or a hand or a head or a foot. It's fascinating what verse seven says then uh, in chapter 12 of first Corinthians, it says to each is given the manifest manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That's ultimately our way of blessing one another. So my question for you kind of at this point, and then we'll move into one last application point is, do you know uh, what your spiritual gifts are, or at least have an idea? Uh, if you don't, uh, I provided for you in the pews. I know there's some of these methods speaking of being in the 21st century online. I'm sure that you can look these up and I'll be happy to send out a link or whatever in the Creek week this week. But this is one tool that uh, at least would maybe be a starting point. I think conversations with other people in the church body, friends, spouse about where they see you being gifted and where you might be used in the church is a great starting point. But then ultimately, you got to sort of just test it. Going to say, how would God use me in this and see if God honors and works through that? But but have we thought about that? And are we currently utilizing those gifts for the common good, for the benefit and blessing of the church? As I said earlier, what you're going to find out if you have sort of been on the sidelines, maybe with those gifts is is that actually God's going to enliven you. Through using those gifts, you're going to see him using you and working through you in a powerful, powerful way. Last thing we see is this analogy of the body, the body of Christ, which is maybe familiar for us. Right. We've heard that reference before in terms of the church. Well, this is this is kind of where it comes from. This is first Corinthians 12 passage, if you never knew. And, and it really, again, is meant to convey this message that even if we have gifts that we feel are kind of inferior or unimportant to God, those gifts really matter. In fact, God has specifically chosen to give you those gifts for his purposes and his plans. And and so we can take great encouragement from using them. Again, it'd be sad, but maybe people in the church have even discouraged you from using your particular gifts. And that's what it's talking about in 14 through 20 here. We, we shouldn't say in our mind, hey, because I'm not in an important capacity or what I see as an important capacity, I ought not to be involved at all. Apostle Paul says, no, each body part is important. Uh, verse uh, 21 and, and on through 26 or so sort of says the opposite. It says we ought to take great caution in, in having any kind of 
pride or self-sufficiency or elitism about a particular gift that we may have, whatever that is, and looking down our noses at other people or passing judgment on how they maybe should be using their gift in a different way. Apostle Paul reminds us of that. And then lastly, on this unity front, too, I just want to highlight what it says here uh, in verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I had someone challenge me uh, one time. I just I heard him speaking and it challenged me, I guess I should say. And he was talking about how we tend to react when someone else sees success around us, even if there's somebody we like and maybe admire. It often, whether it's that promotion at work that somebody gets that we didn't get or that praise that somebody gets for how they look or how their house appears or how their garden looks or whatever that thing is, that praise that somebody gets, instead of rejoicing in their success, we're either discouraged or we're a little bit jealous, right? And I love how this passage reminds us that spiritually, if we're seeing ourselves as a body, then when one part of the body is lifted up and sees some blessing or success, that's a that's we all own that. We're all able to rejoice in that. It's not a competition. We're together in it. And vice versa, when one of us suffers, when one of us is struggling, that we're collective together in that as well. I know, uh, you know, attending funerals has got to be uh, low on most of our list of things, even if it's our own family member or loved one that's uh, that's lost, you know, lost their life. Uh, going to a funeral is not something that anybody uh, necessarily goes out of their way to pursue. Uh, but that's something that as a, a church body, we can really support one another in or maybe the visitation or maybe sending a, a card. And sometimes we sort of flee it. Because it represents the brokenness of the world and the suffering. And we want to kind of keep it at bay and keep our world protected. The gospel allows us, because we're a unified body, to enter into each other's struggle and say, I'm there with you. I don't even really know what to do about it. But I'm right there with you to really serve you. That's a way I think we can bless and care for one another. Well, this passage uh, talks uh, over and over again about the blessing of the gifts that God gives to us, these talents, these uh, abilities to be used. And to me, the saddest thing would be for us to not open that gift, not really use it. Uh, A few years ago, well, it's a decade ago now, I realized this morning, my parents uh, celebrated their 60th birthday. And uh, we're not great in the Peters family, uh, you know, myself and my sisters. It really we're not really all that connected as a family, to put it shortly. And, and so we don't do a great job of always celebrating those family things. But we actually did get together. We loaded up the whole crew. They loaded up their crew. We went to central Pennsylvania, the rest of them from Chicago, us from Alabama, celebrated the 60th birthday. This was 10 years ago. 70th is coming up and we may be making a little road trip to Chicago uh, week of Thanksgiving to celebrate that. But at the 60th celebration for both my parents, we decided to give them a gift. And we were trying to get something. Um, you know, my parents don't have an abundance of stuff, but they're very content people. So they're the people that are hard to find something to buy for them that they really need or would actually want. And so we thought we'd do something a little crazy. And we got them a, a hot air balloon ride. 
That was our gift that we decided. We went in together. This thing was not cheap. This was three or four hundred dollars that we all had, you know, had to put in together in this thing. And we thought that would be fun. They get an experience. They get to ride in it. They get to see all the area around them. Uh, my parents never used the balloon ride gift certificate. We think that they thought we were kind of gunning for the inheritance money. That's what we we think that they were thinking we were, you know, back in the Windy City, Chicago, maybe, you know, who knows what might happen. They never used it. Eventually, the company that operated it went out of business. It was an unused gift. They would have lifted them up to new heights to see new things and be enjoyable for them, a blessing to them. Well, let's not be that way with the spiritual gifts that God's gracious enough to give us. Let's open them. Let's use them. Let's see God work through us in them. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you that uh, through the work of Christ, we not only have the gift of salvation that we don't deserve, don't earn, can't really claim in anything about ourselves, but Jesus ascends on high, and as he ascends, he doesn't demand gifts from us, but after giving us the greatest gift, gives us even more gifts. We thank you for that. Lord, these things sometimes don't feel like a gift because they require time and energy and involvement from us. Help us to see them as a blessing and to open them, use them for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.